Welcome, everybody, to the Silicon Sasquatch podcast, episode 32. Uh, This is actually our fifth anniversary podcast. I am Aaron Thayer, hosting this tonight, or morning, or evening, midday, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, we're going to be talking about where this entire endeavor began. It's it's difficult to imagine that it's been five years uh, since we started on Silicon Sasquatch, but we are no further to fame or fortune at this point, but that's okay, because we're all still together, right? So that's good. Uh, joining me are some of the core members of this team over the last five years. That would be Nick Cummings. Hey. Uh, Doug Bonham. Good morning. And Spencer Don't. Uh, Tordoff. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I was going to throw in a fake middle name for you, but I couldn't think of anything other than Wacky Pants. Oh, so. good. Let's go with Chad. Oh, <laughs> don't you Spencer, even. <laughs> Spencer don't. Chad Tordoff, oh, everybody. Oh, God. I swear. Anyway. So we are we are all here together to celebrate our, our accomplishments, uh, as few, as lofty, however they may lay and our, our failures to, to look back as brief and expediently as possible as we can without boring everybody uh, together and just figure out where we want to take this thing and where we're going into 2014 and beyond. So to start us off, I'd like to ask Nick, my, my co-founder, the current editor-in-chief of this website, how did all of this shit start? Like all bad ideas, it came from World of Warcraft. <laughs> yes, it did. It did. Wait, for for serious? It came from yes. a dark place. <laughs> wow. I mean, so. that's that seems kind of productive. All I got out of War- World of Warcraft was a sense of confusion about what love is. <laughs> so, some of you may know this backstory from our our book, uh, our our first and only book, which plug here. Uh, it's called Silicon Sasquatch, the first year or so. Get it for free. It's basically free now. It's, so. it's free as hell. You can grab a PDF yeah. right now and just siphon our bandwidth away. Highly free. But I, w- I would encourage Nick to, um, and all of us, to you know share parts of the story that have been untold, like which class and what build were you playing in World of Warcraft at the time in 2008, Nick? Yeah, these are actually key details if you want to understand our business <laughs> acumen. So uh, I was playing a Night Elf Rogue. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> what, were you like a fucking rat pally? No. no. What? Wait, what? Oh, that's even worse. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just saying, don't don't hate. <laughs> I was in a fraternity in college. I don't know what any of this nonsense means. Yeah, Doug was way cooler than us. Yeah, my, my mother is going to listen to this and be confused. He was doing keg stands and sleeping with ladies. I would say that's an equally <laughs> destructive fives. and self-destructive choice, but let's continue. <laughs> The point is, we were nerding the hell out, Aaron and I. Um, Doug, Aaron, and I actually were in the same uh, college uh, undergrad program for journalism. Uh, Doug, did you do magazine? Yeah. As well? Okay. Uh, I had at least one or two classes with you, Nick, but I don't think we did all the same stuff at the same time. Yeah, I think you're right. And you graduated a quarter before me, I think. So. Which was a terrible mistake as well. Oh, <laughs> Well, that was one in enfor- that was one kind of enforced by my parents and then once they did their taxes for the year 2008, they realized, "Oh shit, you have to have a student or somebody be in school for a certain amount of months if you can claim them on their taxes." Whoops. Whoops. Well, things you learn if you don't play World of Warcraft. Um, exactly. Real life has a has a factor in that. Yeah, so we were playing World of Warcraft. Aaron, were you a Trenai shaman or something? 
Uh, yes, when, um, and I'll step in here. Oh, uh, please, please do. <laughs> this is really important for the story. <laughs> uh, let me set the scene. No, I, yes, I was playing a Draenei shaman, and so that was after Burning Crusade came out, which we were all, just to, because he mentioned that, we were all, uh, at least I was living in Eugene still, so we went to the University of Oregon together in the journalism program there. Right. Uh, I was still in Eugene because after college I had decided, ah, you know what, fuck it, I, I, I'll i just apply for jobs and hang out for a while. It'll all work out, but we'll get to that. We will. And I was playing a Draenei Shaman, and I remember the first part, which Nick is going to continue elaborating on, uh, of this discussion when we brought up the idea of what if we were to write our own our own blog uh, was in the jungle portion of the main continent, which Stranglethorn. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's where I was. I think I was doing a typical fetch quest, which explains get and, like twenty monkey paws and put them in a cauldron, and then collect seventeen silver to then put towards buying a stupid fucking flying mount. So yeah, <laughs> which I, I guess was, they I give was, you now for free practically. So. You kids these days don't know what WoW was like. Actually, this is a surprise podcast about how WoW has changed in five years. Yeah. So we're going to start with the uh, first expansion. Uh, there, I was going to do a memory card about that, except it was going <laughs> so to actually where be we about were. the dark stories we, that came out of WoW. I come back from like two or three months away from a podcast, and this is what it turns into? Oh, yeah. Welcome <laughs> yeah. back, Doug. Uh, uh, this is what you. This is what happens when you go away. I, I like how Doug is like, uh, World of Warcraft, and I'm like, uh, you guys played the douchiest classes in World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. So... That's where I was. Nick, where were you? How did this come to fruition? Why did we even want to do this in the first place? Similar place. I had actually, uh, in my infinite wisdom, uh, instead of staying in Eugene and finding a job there, decided to go back to the rich landscape of Portland, uh, my hometown, live with my mom, and uh, seek work up there, and then figure out what to do. That uh, did not go great. I, you know, I managed to find work in the meantime, but it was nothing like enduring, and it was kind of a mix of freelance work, which often didn't pay or didn't pay well, and uh, working for my family, which is an even worse idea. So uh, kind of wound up in this sort of doldrum state where Aaron and I were both kind of like, man, we shouldn't be spending this much time on World of Warcraft, but everything else sucks, and applying to jobs is going nowhere, and we got degrees in a field that is literally on fire right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know the difference between literal and figurative. I've seen journalists. Anyway. Burning to the ground. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so we we were like, well, shit. You know, we have the, we have this free time, and this may very well never go anywhere. It may never make us money, but worst case scenario, we get some bylines out of it. We get some experience writing and editing, and we both really care about games, which is um, kind of in sharp contrast to the fact that we played WoW because I kind of took time away from them. Mm-hmm. But um, as we got more involved with the site, I think it's fair to say we kind of broke away from WoW entirely. Also, hitting the level cap helped with that, but. I feel like that was the time when everybody who was playing WoW hardcore and wasn't a WoW person specifically was breaking away from WoW. But maybe just this my memory of the time. Spencer would probably argue that once Burning Crusade launched, the hardcore left. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, that's that's essentially where we were, and we used, I, I guess you could say WoW as our version of a uh, garage for some software developer in the 80s to formulate some idea i mean or perhaps some fools who have a drum and some guitars you know too 
That's true, which that probably would have netted us more financial success if we had just started doing some indie synth band um, in our spare time. Yeah, we probably would have made at least four times the 47 cents we've made so far. Yeah, that which uh, just for current listeners, that is our current ad revenue for this year in 2013. So thanks for clicking through. (laughs) To be fair, we only started doing that a month ago, and it's not really advertising uh, in its full intent. Anyway... um, yeah, uh, Nick. Nick's right. That's where we both were. We both were um, him, I guess, being the stereotype of partly employed and living with his mom and playing WoW. I being unemployed, that stereotype, and living with a girlfriend and playing WoW. So we really, the sum of us together, absolutely were qualified to start our own website. Um, <laughs> and, you know... To be serious about that, and this is stuff that we've covered in other posts and the book, um, but just to put it on the record, is I believe today in the same mission that we set out to do uh, five years ago when we just were looking at it, like he said, almost as a stepping stone to do something greater. Um, I believe in our ability to give better coverage and dissection and our artistic bent on this industry in a non-pandering way, in a way that makes you, the listener, the reader, uh, the person who likes us on Facebook or follows us on Twitter, uh, a different outlet for, yes, the same coverage of games, but it it just has a passion to it that isn't dependent upon the man-child, I guess, outcome of how the industry is. And it's gotten better in the last five years, but... I still believe in that. So that's why we wanted to start it. That's why I was just so impassioned about doing this. And and I had made websites in high school as a joke to share with friends, stupid web comics and things. But I, I always had this idea of wanting to be and make my own um, publication, be my own editor and, and publisher. So Nick, having that same passion, uh, and then the later uh, individuals, Doug and Nick and Tyler and so on that joined us, they had that same feeling. And that's what has kept me here this whole time. And that's why I'm still engaged as it's grown. I think that's also um, let's let's t- pause for one second and also let people know, like this was when blogging was becoming like the buzzword and Web 2.0 was the big buzzword as well. And so it was a weird time for us to be journalism students because people were trying to figure out how to integrate that into a journalism curriculum for the young professionals of the future. And I know in classes, one of my news reporting classes, I think one of our assignments was running a blog. So I have a blogger account that I think it's my personal website still that um, dates back to starting for a class and has some really (laughs) embarrassing stuff on there as well. And I know like for another class, Nick, has been interested in podcasting for a long time and he interviewed me for a class project on there. So That's right. You um, and Peter Lytle. <laughs> oh god, luminaries. Um yeah. so we've like we've grown up with this stuff for a while <laughs> and this has been p- kind of something we dreamed about and I guess to even in further encapsulate what Aaron was saying, the three of us all kind of had the same goal f- throughout journalism school which is let's write about games and work for one of these great publications that gives you the time and the space to write about stuff and to investigate cool stories. And then about a month later, one of those places died. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Um, so Aaron and I just gotten off the ground. We had set up a WordPress site for free cause you know, we 
had no money to invest in this because that's what and you I'd do written, i'd written we, a pilot we still bust. don't yeah <laughs> um i was actually trapped down in eugene during a snowstorm for a few extra days longer than i intended to be around that time and uh wound up like with some time on my hands and i was like screw it i'm just gonna write a blog post and it's gonna be gaming news related and at the time my uh guilty pleasure slash obsession was rock band and all of the uh, I kept up with a lot of the downloadable content as it was coming out. I have a guilty. Massive... Yeah, no, not at all. That <laughs> game is amazing. Uh, still a lot of fun. But I, uh, I decided, okay, I'll take a, I'll take a stab at writing a little a news brief about what's coming out next week for Rock Band. You can still find it on the site. It's our first article. Uh, don't read it. It's pretty bad. Um, so we we kind of got off to an okay start there, where it's like, okay, the site's up. I have an article. I think we kind of you know posted about it on Facebook or something and left it at that. Um, and what date was that article? That was December 20th, 2008. Bush was still president. So, for <laughs> context's sake. Uh, and uh, shortly after that, uh, EGM, as Doug alluded to, uh, closed its doors. I th- that was what I believe people in the know refer to, or like people as nerdy as us refer to as the one apocalypse. Yes. Because not just EGM getting closed and the magazine closing, but also a ton of the cool staff members who were... Who made oneup.com like IGN still did all the page numbers, GameSpot still did a lot of page numbers, but oneup was the place that was doing all the coolest stuff. Yeah, and that that time with having this vacuum kind of created by our uh, our generation and our nerdy generation growing up with EGM and aspiring to be that. Um, for me personally, I don't know about the other guys, and this was a little bit before Spencer got involved, so I don't know if he had feelings about it at the time with EGM closing. But um, for me, at when that closed and when that was news, it almost somehow galvanized this idea of, okay, and as egotistical as that was and naive, okay, we're going to be the next EGM, even if that was a brief thought. I just thought in my mind, like, we can do as good or if not better as them. And at, at that time for me... I'd had a lot of personal crap going on with a relationship. I was robbed like that December. That was one of the early posts. Yeah. So there was a lot of crap going on in my life. And I thought, okay, I'm going to turn all this negativity and and try to do something to, number one, legitimize my degree. Number two, give me confidence uh, in, in a period where, as Nick had said before, everything in this kind of journalistic industry was imploding. I think it was, uh, what's-his-face from Wyden and Kennedy, the founder, who did our commencement speech at U of O, was saying, yes, he did. basically, good luck out there. So, like, that that was the message we got. So, yeah. ha- ha- <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Ch- yeah. <laughs> it's like, sorry, <laughs> we don't know what, what happened. I uh, hope you're prepared. Good luck. And that was the, the mentality. And at least it was honest. EGM, Sorry, what was that? At least it was honest. Yeah, and at the time, I should have... I think we all should have... After that is when we started producing a lot more content, right? Yeah. I think that kind of spurred us forward. Yeah. So, um, to move things forward a little bit, at that time, so Nick and Aaron were still in the Portland area, the Eugene area, um... Throughout that summer, I was still looking for work. And in the fall, after um, going to the Penny Arcade Expo with you two, I was able to um, get in touch and apply for and actually land a job. Oh, my God. In 2008, I was a 22-year-old, 23-year-old college graduate with a job. That's amazing. In journalism. In journalism. 
And it wasn't in yeah. like the middle of asshole nowhere. It was just outside of Denver, Colorado in Boulder. And I moved up there in October and kept in touch with my friends and got into that nice depressive cycle where you don't know anybody in a new place and you are getting up, going to work, coming home, passively ingesting media either with TV on or playing games or something, and then going to bed. And that, like, I realized during my two trips home in the time I lived in college, I came back and visited Portland twice in six months, so that was probably not a good sign. Um, and I realized this is not where I want to be. This is not what I want to do. This is not perfect. Like, this is a lot tougher than I expected, made worse by the fact that, like, I couldn't come home and unwind with friends and family at the end of the day. And I think around, like, February, I think it was in March, I was like, Man, I, I mean, cause I kept talking with Aaron. I kept talking with Nick on Gchat, Google chat a lot. And it's like, I wish I could do the stuff they were doing too. Like, I wish I could join in. I wish I could just write and do what I wanted to do and, and make this passionate and screw it. Like, if there's any time to start your own thing and make, give it a try, it's when you're right out of college and all that. So I wish I had all the time to do this. And then I got fired. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Like I remember that that thought very, very succinctly. Like the day when I then got called into the office and given my marching orders. So I was able to join in with the crew from March and April that year. I'm looking through the old archive of articles as well, and there's stuff by me that starts showing up in March and April. So. Hmm. Yeah, into 2009, we had a lot of expectations, a lot of ideas of stuff to do, and we started making good on it. And then yeah, once we got like less unemployed or more into whatever, like that's when things started taking a dip for the first time. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the content we brought on, and also talk about when um, I'd love to have Spencer talk a bit about how he came to be involved. Of yeah, course. yeah, because I mean, I was kind of in the same place around the end of 2009 as uh, as Doug was actually where. I was working and, you know, out of a relationship and then lost my job, you know, because because WAMU, it turned out, was hemorrhaging people because it was about to cease to be. Um, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. you were there. Oh, man. Yeah, I was. It was uh, it was grim. Like I went from uh, and I, I'm actually pleased to get this on the record. I went from going to fix the computers of bank executives who had been giving themselves plaques on number of mortgages sold (laughs) to to not even an exaggeration uh going floor to floor in leased buildings and piling up all the laptops of people who had been fired en masse wow yeah that's some poetic fucking like it was something it was dark it was really dark that's like a this american life audio i wish it was but uh, so at any rate, that that's where I was at at that time. I was not yet involved with the site. I was uh, writing for, I guess, Epic Default, which you know started by a couple of friendly acquaintances of mine. Great, great guys. Everyone they that we had on the site was was really cool, but very much lacked direction. Like it was kind of, hey, I made an article and then it got posted, and it was very haphazard. Yeah, I remember that. Actually, I was on one of their podcasts with you. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, their podcasts were this whole completely different animal where they would ramble for hours and hours i, I, I think it's fair and even courteous to call it a drunken mess yeah it was a drunken mess it absolutely <laughs> was and it was one of those things where nobody's gonna listen to that 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun to make in the same way that, like, drawing cartoons with your friends at, like, age 10 is fun. Yeah. But it's hard It's hard to take that dynamic and build something out of it. I think it's, you know, time and time again, when we look at, like, our favorite podcasts and the things that really got us interested in that whole side of media production, uh, like, for me and Doug, One Up Yours was a staple for years. Yeah. Something we talked about a ton in college because it was fucking great. And then, uh, more recently, the Giant Bombcast. And... For me, both of those podcasts are valuable, not because the group dynamic is so good, although that makes it fun, but mm-hmm. it's the fact that they each, everybody on those shows, for the most part, has like a career going back years and years of writing things, interviewing people, getting these unique experiences, reviewing a shit ton of games, and really just like putting in their time, going through the paces of like becoming established as like an authority figure in this industry. And the fact that they just happen to have group synergy on top of that makes it a really good discussion. So... I think if you're trying to start with like the the fun conversation, you um, you don't really have much to build on. You're getting it backwards, exactly. <clears throat> Which I think explains a lot of our content that first year, uh, 2009. Yeah, is we were trying and uh, maybe succeeding in some areas to spin a lot of plates because we had um, kind of like maybe Epic Default, though I never looked at their website until we kind of poached Spencer at a certain level. Um, I never looked at the content, but I can imagine it's that idea of people with a similar mentality, friends even, who want to talk about something, but like you said, Spencer not having direction. So we benefited from the start of having somewhat of a mission statement, but that first year, uh, in my opinion, we produced a lot of inconsistent content or tried to do so many things because we wanted to be um, the best to begin with or be really serious and journalistic. And I think that's where, even today, we still have problems finding our voice. It's been a challenge, I think, for each of us. And uh, maybe this kind of gets at the, the core of the, the question we've always been wrestling with. But when we're, when we're talking about trying to take what we're doing and grow an audience, build a dedicated core group of people who, you know, want to read the things we write and want to listen to our podcasts and want to kind of be a part of like this mission that we're behind. Um, we've kind of just, there, there is no real blueprint for how to build a modern media group that is successful. It grows healthily and it brings in money. Like mm-hmm. in this, in this modern time, I know it sounds like kind of a cop out, but um, a lot of the successes that you've seen with like financial success, like look at Gawker look at Huffington Post, uh, more recently look at BuzzFeed. A lot of these things probably didn't seem like likely successes at the time. I certainly didn't think that Kotaku would be around and be such a you know big name in games journalism still, yeah. uh, like it was back in 2008 when we kind of reviled it in a lot of ways. Yeah, not to say we don't revile it now. I, I've kind of changed my tone a bit, but I don't, I don't read it actively. It's mm. more of a maturity level. Yeah, it's hard to yeah. revile something you don't care about or don't read. I just my my tact is just well, I don't care, so I'm not going to get spend precious time getting upset about something I don't care about. Right. Yeah, they did a specific thing. Exactly. the The idea is that uh, it's hard to figure out what exactly makes money, whereas the only two things that are really guaranteed to make money are being the New York Times and having a paywall, or putting like a bazillion articles of cat photos online cat photos are way cheaper by the way for those yes. of you taking notes <laughs> there's there's like there's no in between of like the buzzfeed and like the super paywall that the quality is so high you're going to pay for it no matter what 
which is another one of our challenges. I think we resisted trying to monetize this for so long. The proof is that we just started to even put an ad on this site five years into it. So there were maybe some delusions about how we're going to gain success, but that was just the trial and error of what we're doing. Well, let's talk about some of those different projects over the years, because I think rather than going year by year, it's more fruitful at this point to talk about the, the bigger things we kind of added to the fold, the things we got rid of. So just as we were getting rid of the daily news update articles, because honestly... That was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a mistake. I think, I, I don't know if I wrote most of them, but I feel like I did, probably because they were just so tedious to write that even if I wrote two of them total, it felt like an eternity. I feel um, like I did a fair share of those as well. I, I think we all split it pretty evenly, the three of us. I yeah. think we tried to. That was when we were like really, really super organized as well. Like, let's do a month, let's do like a weekly meeting and talk about what we're doing. And yeah. That's just not feasible <laughs> at a certain point. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, at that point, we were all in the same state. Yeah, that's true. You know, roughly within a few miles of each other, um, you know, discounting the fact that Aaron was in Eugene and you and I were closer to Portland. Yep. Um, it was, uh, you know, we were able to kind of just, if we needed to have a big meeting and get together, we could just do it like pretty much with like a few hours notice. And now it's, you know, we've got people all over Japan. Uh, I was in Austin for the last two and a half years. Um, Spencer's, I think you've been in Seattle this whole time? This whole time. Were you in Alaska? Not during the creation of the site. That was how we met, was when you randomly visited for some reason. But Yeah, it was a weird It was a weird trip. That was a weird trip. Uh, and I wasn't even there for all of his part of it. But anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I was, I was here. We got rid of the daily news updates because it wasn't really serving our purpose. We, we, we started them, though, because we thought that, okay... Let's look at how, at the time, Joystick and Kotaku were kind of like the biggest blogs in gaming. And that's changed a lot since then, of course. But what were they doing well? Uh, it was kind of the question we asked ourselves. And we saw that in addition to their editorial and reviews, which we had already been doing up to that point, they were doing a lot of daily news briefs and like, you know, kind of rehashing uh, press releases, that kind of stuff. And just trying to kind of filter out the daily news as it comes in. Um, so we got the idea of doing a daily recap of news. And uh, this was basically on your given day. I think, I can't remember how we divided it up, but um, you'd find like five or so news stories and link to them and give a little bit of context and editorial on them and move on. And it just became such a mess that I think after about 15 or 20 of them, we gave up on it. But I have no regrets about that. What about you guys? You can't have regrets about anything because it's all an experiment. It's all trying something new. Um, I think at some time in 2009, when we had a big goal, like, no, it was 2010 because it was after the articles were all done. But when we did our book, kind of like, we had a big meeting as well beforehand and we talked about what should we do going forward. And I think a, a point I've hammered on for a long time is like, let's just use our voices. We can't compete with IGN to put out something every day and put a review of every single game under the sun because we don't have the numbers, we don't have the capability to do that. But what we have that's unique and what we can have that we can sell really is our opinions and our voices. And I think throughout we've found new ways or we've tried different ways to to use that, to manipulate that. Different forms which we can get our voices out on, like the podcast, literally get our voices out on. And you know, a daily update. Oh, let's try that. Uh, can't really keep up with that. It's too difficult. It's, you know, let's do a weekly one. Okay. We've, we've done that with the backlog for a good long time now. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the backlog. 
Let's and maybe. Let's. <laughs> I, Aaron, I mean, Aaron, tell us about the backlog. We, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll talk about the backlog, backlog really quick. Batlog is more interesting. I think it gets more hits on the web. I don't know. I think it's about bats, but um, backlog <laughs> is something that we started. When, when was the first post? The date on that. That was the first backlog. Yeah, April 11, thousand nine. I'm looking at it right now. So that was my birthday. Oh wow! First post Happy was birthday. my birthday, two thousand nine. For that, um, I, I think it came for me and the rest of us out of. We had these news posts. We were talking about the news and what's going on, uh, and a feature I remember seeing on Joystick specifically uh, that was recurring was. You know what? What are the staff members playing this weekend? What's going on with them? What are they into? And I like that idea because it gives uh, not just the personality and the uh, oh hey here's your favorite writer and they're playing this game oh I'll check that game out sort of thing mm-hmm. like a cult idea, but it was a way to informally share your opinions about I'm excited with this hey I'm gonna go on a vacation this weekend and just little stuff that is maybe not super valuable unless you really are invested in one person, but it allows you to go with this group of individuals you're following and see what's on their mind about games without having to read an entire review, an article, listen to a podcast. It's kind of a snap judgment or discussion, and it's more digestible for a lot of people. I agree. I think it kind of also came out of like a lot of the some of the podcasts at the time, like especially Giant Bombcast and One Ups, uh, One Up Yours, were both very like a third of the program is the traditional what you've been playing and where they talk about what games have just come out that they're playing and what they think about them. And really that's kind of supplanted reviews for me, but that's another matter entirely. It's easy content too, really. Oh yeah. Like, cause they're playing games for assignments and that's like, it's the heart of it. Like goes stereotypically back to on the playground or when we're in university talking with friends and you have you know oh what'd you buy oh you bought this oh what do you think of it well it's like this it's good and this is nice but this other part's not so good and you can talk about it and it's a lot easier than just doing the form like review format for our magazine or for a website and it's it's nice i've personally we've been up and down and all around with the backlog in terms of how often it's been published, but where we are right now, where we have uh, try and have at least a couple staff members p- provide input every week and try and make it, you know, a little bit shorter and punchier. So, that, you know, some of us, myself included, don't go on forever about stuff, but it's a good combination of what we think about what we're playing right now. What's got, what's got the hooks into us right now, but also like what else is happening. And it, it's just a yeah. combination of factors that I personally like, together i do think that kind of represents a very important shift in the thinking of the site from mostly kind of monkey see monkey doing what major game sites do like oh well those guys those guys talk about the news every day we should probably do that or so forth and more to this focus on you know what do we think you know focusing on our own voices which as has already been mentioned, is is very important. It's kind of what's gotten us this far. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to ask everybody about the backlogs. Do you think we've honed our process in the last five years, or do you think there's still a lot of work to do? Like, do, if we look at our first backlog or that first year or two, are we still providing value now, five years on, with these? Is this you gigging us for not getting our submissions in on time? Yes. 
well, that's that's a larger problem that we all have with this <laughs> site. But like uh, realistically, I um, I'm curious what you guys think about the road that we've been on because that has been aside from a review here or there and editorials, which just they they will always exist. That's been our really only consistent piece of content that we have done that has been an anchor since we almost began. Aaron's right that we it is an anchor for us. And when we uh, went through our last major dry spell a couple of years back, which uh, Doug and Aaron will remember, uh, culminated in an on-site meeting where we were like, do we kill this or do we keep going? Yep. We, we pointed to the backlog as like the, the kind of bread and butter of this whole thing. And it was the feature that we could always count on producing. It was a collaborative effort, but it was down to a science to the point where, like, it took about 15 minutes per person and uh, it could be flexible in the number of participants. And that's kind of why I think we've held on to it so long. Um, it's a very lightweight, freeform way for us to talk about what we've been playing, to think about it, kind of jog our memories a bit, and to um, give us an outlet to post about that without worrying about the formality of a review or, you know, maybe the very you know thorough fact checking and uh Meaty, you know, persuasive yeah. argument meatiness of yeah. like a column or something exactly yeah i i again like it's it's form without form like we know what it's supposed to be but it can be just about anything like we've done all these wonderful tangents before and backlogs and we've used it for its intended purpose or it's not intended purpose. Like for this week's that we just put out, um, I write about a couple of the games and lament that I can't get to some more before we start talking about game of the year. Whereas Aaron like lays down what he thinks is going to be his top 10 or what is his top 10 and what he wants to see as the top 10. So like it's, and it's, you know, we've had some just huge personal, like super long parts or, um, like Tyler especially used to write like these 500, 600 word, like the almost columns by themselves as the backlog contributions. And, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like Nick just said, like you can talk about something for a paragraph or two paragraphs as a tangent and it doesn't have to be as thorough as like a column or a feature on the same subject, but it gives you the chance to put it out there. And so I, I personally really like having that every week because it also gives me a reason to keep playing stuff so I have something to talk about. Spencer, any thoughts? Many, but uh, I feel like we should kind of move on because we're still sort of predating my involvement. Okay, so <laughs> let's let's talk about getting Spencer involved. And where, where we have... No. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Spencer, <laughs> and now we have two other fabulous contributors who are not able to be with us here today, but let's talk about contributors and who we've, who we've added into our group. Yeah, let me be the Vince McMahon for Spencer's uh, pro wrestler. Uh oh. So, um, <laughs> there's definitely got to be that in the header image now. <laughs> just, just pick your favorite Vince McMahon. I got one for you, Spencer. <laughs> make Spencer, I got one. I got, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> of course, Good. Doug has that fucking picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I knew, I knew Spencer through a friend of a friend, and uh, knew that he was into gaming. He had recently moved to Seattle. We kind of played some games online before, and uh, he... I, I can't remember how the hell you got me on the Epic Default podcast, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've always interacted kind of surface level, you know, just every so often, despite the uh, admittedly huge friend crush I had on you after meeting you in Alaska. Friend crush Aww. being exactly what it sounds like. How much crush, how much friend? <laughs> so, well, maybe not exactly what it sounds like. 
Uh, no, no, no. That's the whole thing. Is a friend crush is when you really want to be friends with an acquaintance. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that means. It's still touching. Thank you. So I'm not. I'm honestly not sure. It was kind of. I guess I. I, I think it was just you were on like chat or something, and I was like, "Hey, we're gonna record a podcast," and then we dragged <laughs> you in for it, and it was a drunken mess, as previously described. Right. Honestly, I'm kind of not. I, I guess you've just returned the favor and invited me on the first episode of the the podcast with tyler yeah and uh sort of went on from there i mean initially my contributions were very sparse um and i mean that was most of it but uh, mostly i was involved with the podcast and then game of the year and from there it i mean i think it was like the past couple of years here where it just kind of took off that i yeah started I don't know, being really involved, effectively being an editor. Yeah. Well, in title and in action. So uh, for those listening, Spencer, you know, came on as an occasional contributor and uh, is now our de facto multimedia producer, whether or not he wants all the responsibilities that come with that. Yep. But (laughs) I'm, I'm very much not looking forward to working on, I haven't played a game in like a week and I really want to play a game, but I should probably produce podcasts. Yeah, well, we can always help out. I used to do the uh, podcast production in the early days, uh, which is why they were so shitty back then. But Spencer's really <laughs> taken uh, both like the craft under his wing in the sense of like really figuring out what is necessary to produce our podcasts in a way that reduces the background noise and all the technical shit that's not so fun, but also like figuring out how to make a weekly show out of this, whereas it used to be very sporadic and we had this system of like seasons, which basically just said... At the end of the season is when we stopped giving a shit. Yep. Yeah. And then a year or so later, we'd be like, oh, JK, let's try this again. I, I bet you if you map that out, the end of those seasons would correspond somewhat to the location of to- in time of the, uh, hey, sorry, the site's dead post, or- <laughs> of, uh, of which we have not had for a couple years. But It corresponds to when one of us got a job. Eh. <laughs> well, I mean, I got a job and I'm still here. Yeah. Me too. Well, in the past. Got to answer those phones just to disclose because I'm required to. I uh, I am going to be working at a call center at Nintendo headquarters, getting people hooked up with... Uh, <laughs> can you tell that? Yeah, I can tell that. I'm, okay. I'm allowed to tell that. And I'm supposed to disclose it if I discuss Nintendo anything. And then I'm supposed to not say anything bad. I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but I doubt that anyone else from Nintendo is going to... But there's this, nothing so. bad you would ever say about it. If Nintendo. they do, no, if, if anybody no. from Nintendo is listening, uh, call me. <laughs> yeah that's a good problem for us to have yeah yeah that, those are those are the problems we want so yeah uh you know i i'm not i'm not exactly sure why that happened again i i'm not a person with great hindsight but it also opened me up to work on memory card which i'm proud of the three episodes i've done it's just really hard finding uh stories yeah this year you've really taken off on your own to do a lot more which I think that was something um, Nick, Doug, and I had always wanted uh, from seeing your your content, but just didn't seem to be able to nail you down for a while to be consistent as far as contributing. But everything you've done this year, it's been a big year of growth for you and for all of us, but it's really been impressive what you've done with these podcasts and everything else. Well, I mean, keeping me nailed down in one place was difficult at best for a long time there, so I'm... <laughs> I've been working at it. This was a long time coming. Yes, <laughs> we've had a few other contributors in our past as well, but the 
the two that have kind of stuck around, well, Britt McGinnis has just joined us recently on recommendation from Nick and Aaron's former professor in journalism school, since she was interested in writing about stuff and we're as good an outlet as any other, right? We pay great. (laughs) Oh, yes. well. Benefits. (laughs) Um, But the other long-term, long-time contributor we've had is Tyler Martin, who's in terms of history, like he and I have been good friends since I moved up to Spokane, Washington, when I was in for sixth grade. So we were close friends there for the four years I lived in Spokane, where we kept in touch talking about games and using instant messenger and all that through high school and college. And I'd be able to see him sometimes and he'd come down to see me and all the other nonsense. And he's become one of my absolute closest friends in the world. And since he's basically Tyler and I have had these sort of conversations about games ever since we were 13 years old, 12 years old. So he was an obvious fit to bring in. Um, and the only thing I can really say is that I, I am appreciated his voice and what he thinks about games for a long time. He, he takes a, a little bit of glee in being the contrarian, but I wish he would be able like to write more. <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious. Has he been like that for as long as you've known him? Yes. I can chime in to say that <laughs> when I met Tyler, his handle on Xbox Live, Instant Messenger, and everything was that jerk Tyler. And it's accurate. <laughs> it still so. is in a couple of places, isn't it? Well, let's not disclose that. But yes, that's he, he, he enjoys playing the devil's advocate. He also enjoys having the contrary view to a certain extent. Um, but also he, he relishes in the debate and the robustness of debate. So it makes, makes for good radio sometimes, for sure. Yeah, I have a feeling our game of the year discussions wouldn't be half as fun if it wasn't for Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, he, he is in us right on this podcast. Oh, he's not. Well, not this podcast. Is he in tomorrow? Because I yeah, oh, I believe. Thank so, God. Yes. Okay, cool. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a shit show. Someone's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, someone <laughs> is going to die. It's gonna be like George R. R. Martin is writing this thing. <laughs> this is yeah. going to be so uh, we've, uh, this recording specifically to what it was like before we all murdered each other tomorrow. So this is going to be a good historical piece. <laughs> everyone, happier- everyone remember this and just keep it close to your heart as you stab your counterpart. As you watch it get removed from your chest by one of your former friends. <laughs> this, is, this is the in happier times picture before everything goes south. Yeah. But yeah, so we've, we, in our history, we've, you know, had ups and downs. And sometimes like we like mentioned that happens when people get jobs or too busy, but also just happened when we had communication breakdowns. And that's something that we've avoided this year. Um, I'm not sure what, how many we've have exactly, but I know we've flown past our most posts per year. Um, and that's with not without doing such nonsense as daily update posts. So we've yeah. done quite a bit of content this year and I'm, I think we're, our future is looking very good. Yeah, I um it's hard to measure success for something like this because in 5 years you can do a lot. You could go start a company and get really rich for, you know, with the stupid image sharing and then software. lose a lot of money. <laughs> yep. Um and then get acquired by Facebook. Not naming any names. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram, what? No, I'm sorry. It's a good service. I use Don't it. Lie. Shade being thrown. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Nobody reads this. Or nobody from Facebook listen to this. Um, if they do, I love Facebook. I actually really do. Uh, but Instagram is kind of silly, you have to admit. I Let's just take this out of the podcast. Point being, <laughs> uh, five years, you can do a lot. And I think that 
it's been hard for me to kind of rationalize how we've spent five years. And on the one hand, we've put out a book, which, you know, I should probably mention briefly here just for the sake of clarity. Um, 280 pages about the first couple of years is running the site. We took some of our most important, so best and worst articles, annotated them with by the author with commentary on like what they did well, what they've learned from it, packaged it with some essays and some context about how like the journey so far and sold it uh, at the end of 2010. Uh, the It wasn't really ever a commercial success. And actually after about a year, we dropped the price. So we were selling it at cost just so people could check it out if they wanted to. And uh, even later, released a PDF for free, which you can check out at siliconsasquatch.com slash book. But the one thing that really I really liked about the book thing um, was that the best reward from it, I guess, was that uh, it was chosen for the syllabus of an upper division journalism class at the U of O. And um, mm-hmm. the professor of that class actually asked Aaron and I to speak and uh, kind of offer some sort of insights on what we learned from this whole thing. And that was... I don't know about you, but that was one of the coolest things I've ever done, like, as a grown-ass adult. Yeah. When was that speaking for class? When was that? 2011 or 2012? That was March of 2012, I yeah. believe. That's what I thought. Okay. Because I, I was in Japan. Yeah. Still am. It was, it, I think, for the first time in, at that point, four years, I had felt legitimized by what we were doing. And Susie, uh, Stefan, who we're talking about, um, she'd been and has been a supporter of us in what we've done and, you know, gives us praise and, and more or less exudes this, this, uh, proudness that she has for what we're doing as, as journalists, writers, whatever you want to call us. But, um, I think that was the turning point for maybe all of us in general. I know for me that I didn't need to just keep having the specter of, well, this, website isn't legit unless I'm getting review copies of a game from EA or I'm going to press or events and these things I really didn't want to do, but I thought that's how I measured success from it. But having somebody who I respect and a class of students who actually read through our book, which is just fucking crazy to think about and had questions for us and were, were engaged and curious about what we did uh, when at that point, and still really, we haven't, we haven't made any money off of this and we haven't um, taken it to the next level as far as organization as a business incorporating things like that, that we do plan on doing this next year, but you know, that's all just back end stuff. But having that level of engagement made me feel, okay, this is actually something I, I need to focus on more and make real and not just keep using this as a living resume as just a placeholder for my real talents and stop putting off everything I want to do for this project. Why Why would I be doing that? Why would I be waiting for something else? Why would I be waiting for a company to hire me to then legitimize what I'm doing? No, fuck that. I'll do it for what we've created ourselves. At a certain point, it's not, this is not like, oh, this is what I'm doing until I get a real job. No, like, this is something we can put time and effort into. Yeah. Speaking of someone who had a real job when we really started to think about revitalizing things in 2013 and actually all of us did at that point so kudos it's it's not something you do as an either or it's like if you want to make something happen you just keep working at it and you keep putting effort into it and you learn from your mistakes and it's more about persistence than waiting for some lucky break yeah i mean this is i if nothing else i almost consider it emblematic of our generation where you know success isn't 
landing a job with the big guy and working there for 30 years. It's already been made clear. The big guy doesn't give a shit. Nope. About you. Nope. It's about doing something that you love and you really want to see succeed. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're doing. I mean, that's what the site has. I mean, it's what it's been for me since I was involved. And it's just kind of the direction we're going. Do we want to talk a little bit about um, where we kind of want to take things from here? Because I think it, this would be the first time we've actually talked publicly about that. Yeah. I think that that's right off of the point you made a perfect segue to what the future is. I know that uh, Aaron and Nick have been talking about that, this while wearing blood red robes and crowns made of soft meat and just (laughs) quietly talking to themselves. But uh, I've been party to a little of it. I'm as eager as I hope our audience is to hear. (laughs) Well, I don't want to talk about like specific details of the business because A, that's kind of dull and B, we're still figuring that out and want to get everybody else's um, input before anything is final. Naturally. And see, nan, yeah, fuck you, we're private, we don't have to tell you anything. Yeah. Business student, sorry. <laughs> we also, don't got no shareholders. <laughs> yeah, you, you want 10% of our 47 cents? Too fucking bad. We're keeping it. I already spent that shit on cooking wine, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you want financials? D's financials right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have you back, Doug. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> classic <laughs> Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Taking that business school acumen... And using it for really good things. When you're in a presentation <laughs> and the meeting's not going as planned, you'll want to point to these nuts as evidence of your credentials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yes. <laughs> Operation D's. Yeah. So, Nick, what, 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 is our, what's, what have we been talking about? What, what's the big picture idea for what we're doing now and what we're going to be doing? So, the big picture idea... It kind of stems from the fact that we have what I think we all kind of assess as a very, we have a distinct voice that is built upon almost 500 articles over five years. And each of those articles was edited by at least one person pretty painstakingly, uh, came from a group discussion usually, and in short is the result of a lot of individual work, but also a lot of group discussion around like, what should we be posting? What kind of topics do we want to tackle? What makes our voice different from anybody else out there on the internet? And um, so we've, I think we've managed to kind of find our, our editorial sweet spot pretty well over the last five years. But what we've not figured out is how do we make money from this and how do we build an audience successfully that engages with us and we engage with them mm-hmm. and kind of create an enduring kind of symbiotic relationship that way. So what Aaron and I have been talking about a lot over the last few weeks um, is how to do that. So... Um, beginning next year, uh, we're effectively going to be treating this as a business, not as just a hobby blog. We'll see how that goes, of course. But um, if we want to, you know, actually practice what we preach, we need to start taking this seriously and raising the stakes and, you know, effectively treating it like a job. So um, to that end, you're probably going to see a lot more. Hopefully you will see some things come out of that. You'll see some more consistency in the posts we're aiming for an absolute minimum of five posts per day, uh, per week. Oh, and then, day, um, damn. <laughs> yeah. And then um, as well, you'll see us continue our habit of a weekly podcast. Uh, I think with one exception, we've maintained that for about, I don't know, six months almost. Like we've done really well with the podcast the second half of the year. Yeah, we've, so. we've held it yeah. up pretty well. And uh, that's, that's due. That's thanks to everybody here making the time for it. And also, especially to Spencer for turning those around mm-hmm. in, um, in a regular clip. So, 
those are those are kind of the two big things you'll see. What we're hoping to deliver by the end of the year is we're hoping to build up a, a stronger advertising uh, presence where we're not just like taking the easy way out and getting um, referral links and Google AdWords and stuff. Although that may full disclosure that may end up supplementing our income. We'll let you know if that happens. But we're trying to really establish our our unique presence and reach out to advertisers who make sense within that. So yeah, I mean, it's still rough. We'll talk about it more when it's finalized, but uh, effectively we want to build something that reaches more than just a handful of people who have stood by us steadfastly. We want to get back in touch with everybody who ever liked what we did, but maybe fell off the map after something or another. And we want to keep writing and creating content that fulfills that mission that we've always been so focused on, which is that, there, there is so much interesting and important stuff happening in this medium, and there's so much change happening in games that it's it's important that there are people looking at it, not just from a, is Uncharted 3 better than Tomb Raider perspective of like nuts and bolts, you know, comparing components of a game to another. There's plenty of stuff about that. There, you know, EGM had a breakdown of like graphics versus sound scores and stuff yeah. at one point, I think. You know, we don't want to do that. We want to talk about like, were the themes explored in, like, how has alcoholism been explored in games? And, like, you know, you've seen it, you know, there was a big theme in Papo EO and other games like that, but nobody really talks a little bit, a whole lot about substance abuse in games. Like, just, and that was a bad example, but, like, just taking this more, this broader approach to, like, what makes this medium special? What are the interesting and important things happening in it? And making sure that it gets covered in a meaningful way. Yeah. Or, for example, like, I just did the article on Gran Turismo and the whole, like, I called it the love affair in six parts because, you know, it's been in my life and it's been something I've played since I was 13. Yeah, 13. So, like, that was very personal, but at the same time, I I did talk about what the game meant to me and how things improved as a game as well. So, it's like a nice combination in there in a huge package. Yeah, as and that's our our goal, as Nick said. We're going to be taking this in the direction in 2014 and beyond as a um, as a business. That means things like incorporating at a certain point, having business plan, all the stuff that uh, when I was 22 didn't sound fun, didn't sound like it would be needed. Sounds like the man, man. Yeah, it, it sounds like work. It really it did, and I I had this uh, notion of you know oh we'll be fine we don't need to do that because the art itself will shine through that naivete that I admit I had um, but yeah having now worked for a multinational company for three years having made it up to manager there and seen the inside operation of a business I realize businesses are not bad and businesses are run by fucking stupid people. Like, just absolutely <laughs> stupid, yep. dumb, ignorant. Just, I don't know how people make it up to CEO, uh, aside from the, the very select few who are super intelligent, hardworking, dedicated people who are probably psychopaths in a mental sense because they have to not care. Uh, but anyway, I, just having that real-world experience, the thing I was missing the most from my undergrad, from my degree, from my life after college, I was living in a bubble like many of us were. And I think that that's where it nurtured our talents to do this Silicon Sasquatch project together is we were all a little bit like that. Um, if I'm speaking for everybody, I think I am a little bit. We all had this level of immaturity that was okay. And we've all now grown so much. Doug's moved to Japan. Tyler too. Uh, Spencer has had a long road and an interesting 
road. I wow, that is that is the most diplomatic phrase <laughs> I've ever heard. Spencer has the best Twitter account. Spencer has been doing roughly the same thing with somewhat increased levels of productivity and alcohol, respectively. That's Spence, I think. I think Spencer's figuring his shit out though. That's not his and business plan. No, but yeah. you're you're a smart guy. We're all smart guys and gal with Britt joining us recently, mm-hmm. which is good. And yes. that's the whole point of we lived in a lack of reality for honestly about four or five years and have only recently decided, you know what, we can justify what we're doing by making it legitimate. We shouldn't be scared of that. I remember many conversations even pretty recently within the last year of uh, PAX, when we went to PAX as a site, we didn't want to do a media badge because that would require incorporation and an official company letterhead. And it was kind of like, no, let's not do that quite yet. But why not? Why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we take that step? Um, it's yep. not going to change anything that we do. In fact, it's going to give us, I believe, more uh, more freedom, more perhaps legitimacy yes but also more ability to grow more opportunity so yep our our focus going forward is not to take any of the soul out of it is in fact to leverage the soul that we have but actually create a full vision for us and not just the uh, byline uh, not the byline but the um, mission statement that we kind of have right now that we need to still work on of the intersection of games and culture that's what we focus on that's good mm-hmm. but how can we actually live up to that from here on out i mean if if next year in september we have nick and aaron and spencer covering packs on media badges and me and tyler in japan and brit too in, in packs as well i imagine she can get up there because she's in oregon as well if i believe um and then me and tyler at T- tokyo game show on media badges as well like that's a good sign for us that would be awesome and well honestly i would you know i don't think we did enough at PAX this year. At the same time, we did more at PAX this year than any previous year. <laughs> Combined. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a it's a great first step, and being there officially is is a great next step. And that's the point. We, yes. we can still critique ourselves and learn where to grow. We did it, and now, okay, let's game plan for the next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Uh, I want to close with a question for you guys, if that's good for everybody. Okay. If you had one piece of advice to give to people just like you five years ago who are looking at doing something similar, what would it be? Around the time when, when in 2009? Yeah, 2009, I think, we went to PAX. Yep. Or or 2008. When, I can't remember which one is the last I went to. No, it was 09. I was actually just looking through. It was 09? Yeah. Whatever the last time I went to PAX was. It was also with Silicon Sasquatch in the back of my head. And um, I saw a podcast panel done by destructoid who at the time was becoming a up and coming thing and a lot of the advice that the the chief of destructoid was giving is a lot of the stuff that we've learned for ourselves which is don't be afraid go out and do stuff regularly if you're going to do a podcast do it every time do it every week if you're going to do articles do it and if you're going to have a voice have it be yours and i think that's that's really borne out in our generation, which is if you create the thing you want to see, you're going to find an audience and don't be afraid to, to do it. Just be dedicated enough to do it all the time. 
you you will get better and you will find an audience off of what doug said um that's essentially the the advice i would give to anybody starting down this path um a little more personally speaking if you're anything like me as a writer or a creator, then you and your confidence will be your own worst enemy many times over. And you will convince yourself that you're not good enough to write this thing, to design this thing, to talk about this thing, that if you do it, it's going to be evidence that you have no idea what you're doing. And that's been my biggest hurdle and my, my biggest... Uh, stopping gap for creating anything on this and taking it further. So over time, uh, honestly, I can just say you have to get realistic experience. You have to do things like have shitty jobs and be an adult and pay bills. <laughs> like it's, it seems very uh, vague and, and a large point to make, but Unless you, you have to play wow. Well. You do. <laughs> you have to learn the depths of human suffering and sadness <laughs> through that to appreciate uh, actual productivity. But uh, if you have that confidence issue and you have that ability in the back of your mind to just stop what you're doing because you, you have um, uh, concerns that it's not going to be good enough, then you need to go and discover or do something, or try new things to the point where you build that confidence. And I really wasn't confident in my own abilities as a writer until, oddly enough, I did a job not related to writing at all and learned I was good at that because I'm not just a worthless piece of shit as a human being, which is just being um, overly, you know, I'm using hyperbole there, but to then tell me, you know what, actually... I'm okay. I can do this. So if you want to be creative, you want to make your own blog, your own podcast, yes, as Doug said, and as a lot of people say who are way more successful than us, be consistent. But when you feel yourself backing away from that consistency because you have second thoughts, then you just hopefully have that real-world background, that that experience to tell you, no, you're you're okay. You're doing it. You're better than you think you are. And to just ignore that voice, it's going to prevent you from not doing anything. Because that's my biggest regret from these last five years, is I don't have enough bylines on a site that is my own. And that makes no sense at all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If I were addressing myself from five years ago, and I didn't slap the shit out of him immediately. <laughs> really, I, I, I don't know. Basically, somebody in the same circumstances, I would tell, look... You're not going to figure out what you want to do for a while. And you're not going to be able to make it your life. Not as much as you want. Not, well, for a while after that. But by God, when you figure it out, don't flake out. Because I know you do that. You flaked out on people. You flaked out on groups. You're a f you, have, you have been, at that point in your life, five year ago, me-like person, a flaky motherfucker. <laughs> so don't. Find out what you want to do, stick to it, and just do as much as you can. That's it. <laughs> that's, all, that's all well said. Uh, I would actually echo a lot of what Spencer said as well, but I would uh, add this, this thought, which is like, honestly, it might be our folly, but it's also the only thing that really 
I think it's it's a defining principle behind why we do what we do, which is that if there's something you want to do and you it matters a lot to you, you, you spend a lot of time thinking about it, talking about it, molding the idea, studying concepts related to it, that kind of stuff, that's legitimate work and that's legitimate effort. And those things resonate despite, no matter where you go. Like if you want to show a track record of good you know, critical thinking, if there's something you're really passionate about, a project that you've been working on, that means a lot. Like, I can't say for certain, but I, I think it's a, there's a very good chance I would not have gotten an interview, let alone a job at Facebook, if it hadn't been for Silicon Sasquatch and for the book in particular that we worked on. So I guess what I'm trying to say basically is that if you care about something, like, you should listen to that and you should stop listening to all the voices that are telling you that you need to go work for an investment firm for 35 years and then retire with children who hate you. You can take so many different paths through life without being a bum, without being a burnout, by actually, you know, leveraging those things that excite you and doing things that you like getting to know that you do well. At the same time, I can't tell you how important it is to really focus on taking the opportunities you do get and seeing how they pan out. I've had jobs that were miserable that gave me like <laughs> like literally nightmares. And I also had jobs that were just like wonderfully rewarding and challenging and uplifting and fantastic. And um it's uh I was, you know, right before I started at Facebook, which was the best job I've ever had, I worked as a legal assistant for an angry, angry man who was a lawyer. <laughs> and it was awful. And I think it's you know, at the same time, I don't know if I would have gotten that job at Facebook if I hadn't learned so much from that field. Like Hell, I would have been in law school possibly at that point. That would have been an even bigger nightmare. So. Yeah, I remember that you were doing that job. This guy's like, oh, I think I might want to go into law school. Yeah, nothing will ever uh, talk you out of that faster than working for a divorce <laughs> lawyer. Oh, God. I forgot I was a divorce lawyer. Yeah. Ooh. Also estate planning. So, you know, dead people and broken marriages. Um, yep. Anyway. Uh, and hopefully not both at the same time. <laughs> well. Hmm. Possibly? Anyways, you'd be surprised. Anyway, point being, just like follow your stupid bliss and fuck anybody who tells you you shouldn't. And, you know, try and be pragmatic about it, but just recognize that in the end, that's like the most important thing you can do. And the best way you can spend your time is on things that you just like give you a stupid grin on your face. So, exactly. Uh, hopefully, each of you feel get a very, very stupid grin on your face when you think about what we're doing here. Incredibly stupid. But a big grin, yes. all the same. <laughs> Nevertheless, yes. Well, gentlemen, I think that sums up our first five years nicely, and I'm sure that um, advice from 27-somethings will make an impact on the 20-somethings that we used to be, who are probably already saying we're too old to have an opinion <laughs> and to go fuck off. I've got indie music to listen to. So... Um, uh. I thank all of you uh, from the bottom of my heart, listeners, and of course you guys and Tyler and Britt who are not on this this recording from having stuck through this for five years and beyond, and I look forward to doing our 10-year anniversary podcast in just five short years from now. Yes. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, please check us out, of course, as always, at siliconsasquatch.com. We have a Twitter account that we promise to be uh, updating consistently at Sasquatch Gaming, uh, facebook.com slash siliconsasquatch, which, you know, we post a lot of content there. You can find that through our website proper or our individual accounts. 
and we have a lot more coming. Um, actually, something I'd like to add separate from all of this is if any of you use Stitcher, uh, which is a, another kind of podcast management site, we did just add our podcast there. So you don't just have to use iTunes anymore, Stitcher.com. Uh, they have an app for Android and iOS and a web version. Totally free. We're on there, too. So if that's your method of choice for our podcast and memory card, please go ahead and check us out there. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and please have a good week. <laughs>